You're listening to Louisiana Insider, a superlative guide to a great state's destinations. Hosted by Errol Laborde, executive editor of Louisiana Life Magazine. It's not Louisiana song. It's my favorite melody. It's not Louisiana song. Hearing it echo through the cypress trees. Well, hello. Today we're talking about the river, uh, specifically River Road, and uh, which is um, a really interesting part of Louisiana. And with me is um, Mary Ann Sternberg, who I guess is like the authority. She's written a lot about the river, uh, including a series of three books uh, called Along the River Road, just chock full of information. She also did a book called River Road Rambler, which is a, a traveler's guide to the road with stories from River Road. And there's such a demand that she did the Riverboat Ramble Returns. Uh, she did another book, and actually this is about Bayou Manshack, which might be a, a future program, if you're willing, called Winding Through Time. And she's written a lot of articles and probably something that I've left for preservation magazines and, and for the advocates. So she's been all over the place. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. Okay. Well, let's begin. When, when we're talking about the River Road, uh, usually, now isn't there like a federal designation of which River Road and there's more of an historic de- designation? Yeah, well, there is um, the Great River Road, which runs from Minnesota down almost to the Gulf. Um, but our River Road um, clings to both sides of the river, as you know, between uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Um, and the road itself is right by the levee, whereas the Great River Road is sometimes by the river and sometimes away from it. Yes, yeah, so, so sometimes it's blended into other highways. So the, the, the road that winds along with the river is that road between New Orleans and uh, starting right at the river end in Baton Rouge, and you, you drive along that, and you and and you really get a you really get a sense of uh, of the. Uh, of the motion of the river and, and all the turns and curves and right. Well, I guess I guess you'd say the river road starts, of course, below New Orleans down at Venice. Uh, but I hadn't written about below New Orleans. In fact, my book, my books, are confined to the area between the Jefferson St. Charles line up into Baton Rouge because there was so many great books already about the Greater New Orleans area. I thought, you know. Don't try and compete with those. Sure, absolutely. That's an interesting statement anyway. Before we do that, though, we have a tradition on this program where we always start off with a song. I have a few boards with a song. This one is really, really easy, uh, but maybe we can all stop, give, give a little bit of information. Okay, here it goes. There's an old man called the Mississippi. That's the old man that I'd like to be. What does he care if the world's got troubles? What does he care if the land ain't free? Old Man River. Okay, and that's okay. I, I know that's Old Man River, and I think it was from Porgy and Bass. No, it's actually from a, um, a show called Showboat. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm sorry. It's yeah. 
singing. And then I can't remember who sang it, but but that was the original. A man named Paul Robeson. Right, 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 right. And that's one of the Broadway classics. But the other thing about Showboat, what's important about it, is that it was, uh, it debuted in 1936. And that is considered to be really the origin of the American musical. Like before that, there were a lot of vaudeville shows and, you know, dance shows. But there there would there'd never been a show that had a serious story uh, that told the story and that you had music within it. Right, right, right. This was the first to do it. And it dealt with serious issues. It dealt with, uh, uh, it dealt with race relations. And, of course, there had a romance to it. And right. so it really yeah, I saw it. it was, yeah, I saw it. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was based on a Edna Ferber book from 1926, and then a movie was made out of it. So it's a, uh, an important piece of, uh, of, of American literature. Meanwhile, I, w- I was interested when I was doing my River Road research, uh, th- there was the occasional showboat that was still coming along our area on the river in the 20s, in the 1920s. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, that was surprising. And so the showboat, and, and there wasn't... Uh, well, in the show, showboat, they actually show what it is. And, and they come into these towns. There's all these river towns. And it's a big deal when a showboat comes to town and they, they dock up and then they and then they put on the show one night. And, of course, all the people go because that's kind of, you know, they didn't have much other entertainment. So it's a big deal. Sure. Absolutely. So looking at River Road, which we're going to find for this purpose is uh, right, right now is well, well, let's begin. First of all, the big thing, the Mississippi. The Mississippi begins way up north in Minnesota. Um, what's it called? Lake, uh, Lake Atatcha or something? Lake Itasca. Lake, Lake Itasca. Um, I was on a train one time, and the train crossed the Mississippi near there. And you could kind of see it was like kids splashing in the water. I mean, that was the beginning of the Mississippi. You know, they had their little rubber duckies and things. Right. And so it's, it's very shallow. Then from there it goes on, and it, and it develops into the Mississippi. Um, yeah, two thousand over two thousand miles worth. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. So the uh, what is okay? Looking at the River Road, though, what are some of your favorite spots along the way? You know, I hate for people to ask that question because it sort of depends. I've been out so much; it kind of depends on what I feel like at the moment. Um, the obvious places, of course, that everybody knows about are the plantation houses that are open to the public, and they're wonderful. And, of course, they're each different and very well worth visiting. Uh, but there's some small museums that are absolutely terrific that hardly anybody knows about. Um, there are all sorts of historical sites, um, some of which are not open, but um, in along the River Road, I wrote about them. A lot of the churches have some fun stuff to see or interesting stuff to see. Um, one of my particular favorite churches is St. Michael's in Convent because it's got the Our Lady of Lourdes Grotto in the in the rear of it. And this is a grotto that's different from any large grotto all over the country because the rock wall is made of bagasse and the altar is dotted with shells from Mississippi and the arch over the altar is held up by an inverted sugar kettle. And so one of the stories in River Road Rambler was about this because I was so intrigued. Now, now, now there are some people in this world who don't know what bagasse is. Tell them what that is. Ah, okay. Uh, bagasse is the residue 
from processing sugarcane. You know, sugarcane, uh, you know, I, I now know a whole lot about sugar and sugarcane, too, because I uh, did a story on the last sugar mill on the River Road, and I did a story on the last sugar refinery on the River Road. Um, and bagasse, you, you process the sugar uh, by pressing it and grinding it, and but you, what you want out of it is uh, the liquid. And then you kind of get rid of, or you don't use, uh, the vegetative material, vegetative material. And um, you can burn it. I mean, that's bag ass. And then you burn it. And this was made into, it was like rocks. They're called clinkers. And these two men decided they would, that would be just the perfect material and certainly um, uh, authentic to the area if they used it to make the rock wall. And it's just amazing. Yeah, an all-purpose material and used for fuel and and, and for uh, for construction. You know, when you talk about the burn. Yeah, actually, yeah. Apparently, it was um, they used it for ceiling tiles, acoustic ceiling tiles, at one point. All right. Um, you know, when you're talking about burning the. Uh, it reminds me. It used to be like around December. If you drive around Louisiana, they'd be burning the cane, and what they're doing is that they're burning the outer part of it, and uh, and, and to get to the cane, which is really traditional all around the world. I mean, where people grow sugar cane, it was a wonderful, delightful smell. It had kind of like a molasses smell. Uh, I don't think they do that right. as much. I think there've been some environmental issues with it. But it used to be just, uh, I, I used to like it. I might've been the one person who liked it, but but that's kind of a thing of the past now. Yeah, I think so. Um, but you can get the same smell if you go uh, while the sugar mill is uh, running during uh, grinding season. Right. And that would that would be like around around December and the first part of the year. Um, I think it starts maybe mid November, and it depends on how the season went. You know, sometimes it can go into January. Okay, uh, let's talk about the plantations. I know they're wonderful plantations, but this is uh, not a good time for the plantation business. There's a lot of uh, the social issues with plantations and the and and, and yep. the slavery yep. and, uh, and I know some plantation right. owners. Uh, having a tough time, how are, what should be done? How should that be dealt with? Well, the ones that are open to the public, there are 11 or 12 of them. I can't exactly remember at this very moment. Um, but they have all in the last probably 10 or 15 years done a lot of homework on the slavery, the, on, on the, their legacy of slavery on their particular plantation. And uh, they have tried to address it. Some have been, uh, have done it more in depth than others. And of course, uh, then Whitney Plantation, which uh, was just a plantation in, in, in terms of visiting, um, was turned into the Museum of Slavery so that you don't go there now to see the house, you go there to see the outbuildings and the exhibits and that sort of thing. Next door to it is Evergreen. And they had done a tremendous project about all, everyone who had lived at Evergreen and that included uh, the owners and the management and all of the slaves. And they had set up a whole educational 
uh, building with lots of research and people could come in and it was terrific. Um, but they're closed at the moment. I mean, that's the problem right now that a lot of places as they are in new Orleans, you know, entertainment, uh, entertainment or educational venues open to the public aren't open to the public. So some of these are open and some of them are not. And plus they've lost, they've uh, lost the tourist industry. Um, uh, you know, the, the tour buses from New Orleans and from Baton Rouge uh, just don't have any tourists right now. So it's a, it's a bad, bad industry. Yeah. But, but when it, you know, when it starts back up, uh, I have to say that they've all done a good job in trying to address something that they had not paid attention to before. And I, um, you know, Laura and O'Galley and Nunaway and Destrahan and, um, so forth. Um, but I have to, I think would give credit to the opening of the River Road African American Museum, which is about 20 years ago, um, because it shined a spotlight on the uh, Black heritage along the river and accomplishments and so forth. It started out at Tescuco, and after Tescuco burned, it moved into Donaldsonville, and it's there now. Uh, and it's you know it's it's well worth visiting. It's one of the little museums along the river that I love to tell people about. Now you've mentioned the museums, and I know from a, a previous conversation you also mentioned concern that maybe the museums aren't getting the attention they deserve. Right, that's my opinion um, because. When people kind of traditionally think of the river road, they think of the grand plantations and they don't know much about the museums. So uh, I did write about them and along the river road, which was the first river road book, uh, was had a kind of a lot of backgrounding about the river road and about the river and settlement and um, words and things. and. Um, then it was a kind of guide up the uh, east bank and down the west bank. And then the River Road Rambler and Rambler Returns, I had, knew about so many places that deserved more than superficial attention. And so I wrote these stories so I could get more into depth on some of these places. And I wrote about several of the museums. Um, one that is not open right now is the National Hansen's Disease Museum at Carville, which is just an extraordinary place. You can go there and take a riding tour right now. Um, you can you can pick up a map and ride around on the grounds of what used to be the, you know, a leprosarium, basically. It's a, commun a closed community. But the museum itself is well worth visiting. It's terrific. Yeah, people have realized that, that New Orleans, I think, I mean, not New Orleans, but Louisiana had, I think, the only in the continental United States, um, little thing called Leprosorium. And it, uh, right. it was down in, it was in Carville. It, um, it closed a few years ago, but it was uh, an important place. Um, the, well, it closed in the late 90s because, you know, they could, all the, the patients were released and uh, went you know, to lead normal lives outside the uh, outside of Carville, uh, with the exception of 
a few patients who had no place to go and they stayed until the last of them died. But um, in my story, one of these patients was a docent at the museum. And so that was absolutely fabulous. He has subsequently died, I'm sorry to say. But to have the experience of somebody who lived there uh, and knew the culture and was part of it and to look at the exhibits with his help was was really terrific. Yeah. Um, and happily, I think one reason it doesn't exist is I think ultimately they were able to find, find a cure and so if the disease still exists, uh, at least not in the uh, uh, not in the first world. I mean, maybe there's other places where it does now, but at least they were successful with that. You know, it used to be on election day for state elections that part of the, the wisdom of elections is that the first precincts in the state that came in on election day was Carville, uh, because Carville had its own precinct. And of course, they were able to all vote kind of early in the day. And so right. That was always all. <laughs> For the game. All right. With me is uh, Marianne Sternberg, who's written a lot about the uh, the River Road. I'm going to ask you about about a couple of uh, legends, right? And um, I know what the answer is because I, I looked in your book, but I want to talk about it. The first one is, um, and this one, this one won't go away. All right. Uh, every year around Christmas, when it's time for the the bonfires, people say, "Well, the bonfires were built because Cajun uh, little Cajun kids." We're building fires to light the way for Papa Noel. Not true. Is that correct? My research seemed to indicate that the origin of the bonfires were from uh, some of the priests who uh, were in that were in that area, and they had come from France. Um, they may actually have come to Jefferson College. They were, um, and and in France there was bonfire building. Uh, but, you know, it just got taken up as part of the culture and it was said for so long. I mean, that's the thing about the River Road. There are lots of legends and the legends are just part of the whole thing. That's what makes it so much fun. Well, I know there was someone who did, uh, some professor did a study and she said that it was uh, it was a German thing, that uh, there were a lot of Germans set along the way. And, and, and there were traditions in Germany of... Um, of having bonfires at the, uh, actually at the solstices, at the, at the changes in the season. And then it was the Germans who bought the tradition. And the argument they made is that there weren't that many Cajuns that sailed along the area, uh, but, the, but that it was more German and more French, non-Cajun French. Uh, the theory about the Marist priests, I think kind of fits in nicely with that, same sort of thing. And so it's more of a, a European tradition that was bought to the the levies. Well, the German, of course, the Germans, of course, were on the German coast, which is uh, with St. Charles, St. John Parish, what are now St. Charles and St. John Parishes. Uh, and the Acadians were on the first and second Acadian coasts. And that was, um, you know, more of St. James Parish, which was a little bit further upriver. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, it certainly could have been a bit of both. But the bonfires that exist now are done mainly in St. James Parish. So um, those are the ones that have historically been on Christmas Eve and have gotten, you know, all the tourists and a lot of attention. Yeah. I was, um, you visiting the, uh, the the churches. I, I was visiting the other day one of the churches, the one in St. Charles, uh, St. Charles uh, Borromeo, 
Mor- Mormeo, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, did you go on the cemetery? Well, I, I passed by the cemetery. It was closed. But I did notice, and this leads to my next question, that right near, right at the beginning, there were several tombs made out uh, for members of the LeBranche family. And that made me think about the story about the LeBranches. Could you tell about the origin of them, that name? Or I could tell. Yeah, well, I, and I, I would recommend that if you get back up to uh, that church, you take a walk through the cemetery because it's got a bunch of old uh, tombs in it. And they're, you know, kind of fun to read who they were and when they were there. Uh, LeBron, okay. I know it was, it was an. Uh, this was, a, it was a, a man who came from Germany and his name was Zwick or Le Zwick. Why? Right, right, right. right. And, yeah, well, that was um, typical of what they did. Uh, the French changed lots of names from German to French and, and LeBranche was one of them. But the reason is when they, I think they, uh, he went to the Ursuline uh, convent, he was looking for a wife and they matched him up with somebody, uh, uh, a French Creole woman. And he was, of course, he was um, getting baptized into a French parish and the priest had a tough time with that word, the Zwig, but Zwig in German <laughs> means, right. means branch. Yeah. And so supposedly it was the priest who said, well, instead of calling him the branch, let's let, 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 or, 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 or uh, you know, let, let's call him LeBranche. They gave it the French name. I'm trying to think what some of the other ones were. I hadn't looked at that in a long time. Uh, but th- there were a number of German names uh, that were changed into, into French. It was That was really fun uh, because... The names are very familiar. So when you see them, you think, aha. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think LeBranche is uh, the best known of, uh, especially that story, you know, from Branch to, Le, uh, to LeBranche. So we have one more song, and uh, this should be kind of easy too, but if not, we'll, we'll get it. Okay, here we go. Help me information, get in touch with my Marie. She's the only one who would call me here from Memphis, Tennessee. Her home is on the south side, high up on the ridge. Just a half a mile from the Mississippi Bridge. Okay, do you know what that is? I can sing it, but I can't remember the name. Okay, of it. well, it's called Memphis. Okay. Right. And it's uh, ironically, it's by Johnny Rivers. Okay. Right, 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 um, right, right. Who's from Baton yeah. Rouge. Um, but the, you know, the song, he says he's calling the operator back in Memphis when he get in touch with his Marie, and she only lives a half a mile from the Mississippi Bridge. Right. And, and, right. and he talks about all the fun he had and all the good memories he had, Marie. And then the last line, he establishes that Marie is only six years old, all right? And so he's uh, <laughs> uh, he's missing her. So anyway, uh, it's got a good beat to it. It's, it's got a good rhythm. It, it talks about um, For all the romance and excitement of, of about the uh, River Road, uh, as you mentioned, in Norelke didn't you have a good reason. It's also known as Cancer Alley. There are a lot of refineries along there. What is your feeling? Is, is there any progress being made there as far as uh, what's being emitted from those uh, uh, plants? Uh, well, you know, you would probably know that as well as I. Well, it's just more of an awareness of it, that's for sure, in the EPA. 
there, there is a lot more awareness of it, and the EPA and the DEQ are supposed to um, enforce regulations. Uh, I haven't done that much research on that part of it, uh, other than acknowledging that it's there and that a lot of the plants are on former plantation properties um, that families sold them. Um, but, you know, because it was a huge tract and they needed that kind of land. So, yeah. And of course, for every plant there, at some point, there was some government or somebody that wanted the plants there because they needed the jobs. I mean, those things create a lot of jobs. And so it's always, always that, that tug of war between uh, uh, jobs and the environment. And just hope that with the EPA there, uh, that things are getting better. I, I know that at least there's a, a lot more awareness of that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot more environmental awareness now than when uh, Standard Oil was first settled on the river in 1909. Um, but, you know, the, there are a lot of petrochemical plants and oil-related uh, industry and, um, you know, produce plastics and fertilizer and that kind of thing. And we all use all of this every day. I guess it's just a question of paying attention to how much we use and then how we dispose of what we aren't using afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, we have another little thing that we do here. It's a little statement called this or that. And for this, we turn this into uh, uh, to Kelly, uh, um, Mascar executive producer. And this is just answering some questions. All right, here we go. All right. So um, this week, obviously, is about the river. So um, our first question is a true or false. Um, the Mississippi River's deepest point is Algiers Point near New Orleans. True or false? Is don't know one of the answers? <laughs> okay. Well, I, well, I'll give you the answer to that. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in, in the whole Mississippi River, by Algiers Point, that's where the river makes that really big curve. Right. It's like 200 feet deep right mm -hmm. there. And so in the well, whole I'm river system, that's, that's, that's it. Well, I know it's dredged. I know the channel is dredged. It's going to be dredged up to 50 feet up to Baton Rouge. So that's deep. You, you know, which brings another thing is that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the big freight ships that come up to Mississippi can only go as far as Baton Rouge uh, 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 to the bridge in Baton Rouge because after that, the river starts getting more shallow. But between. Because well, it isn't dredged beyond that. Yeah. Okay. You know, the Corps of Engineers. Yeah. But if you see any river traffic above Baton Rouge, anywhere from, you know, from Minnesota to Baton Rouge, it's barges. Correct. That's, yeah. But because exactly. the, the ocean going, yeah, ocean going vessels yeah, yeah. Um, require the deep channel. Yeah. You, you're not going to see them going to Memphis or St. Louis. So anyway, okay. Okay. Um, this is another true or false. There are six rivers that pass through Louisiana. Six rivers that pass through Louisiana. Mm. Okay, well, the Atchafalaya. Mm -hmm. Well, the Atchafalaya, the Red, the Mississippi, um, the Sabine. Um, hmm. The Pearl. Mm -hmm. The Pearl, good, all right. What's our six? I think the Washita. Yes. Okay. Yep, it's okay. true. There are six rivers that pass through Louisiana. But the Mississippi is the most impressive. Oh, well, exactly. no. No, no. well, we're all pro Mississippi River here. Okay. Right. 
Um, okay, this is another true or false. The length of the Mississippi River is approximately 2,320 miles long, making it slightly longer than the Missouri River. So which is longer, the Mississippi or the Missouri is what you're asking? Yeah, essentially. Um, I would think the Mississippi, but I'm not sure. Because I don't honestly know anything much about the Missouri River. <laughs> so the Mississippi River is actually um, 20 miles shorter than the Missouri River. Okay. Which but, isn't a whole lot when you get up to the thousands. <laughs> but the Mississippi is a certainly a lot more celebrated river than the Missouri. I mean, yeah. what stories and legends do you hear about the Missouri River? I don't know. Maybe if you live up along the Missouri River, you know lots of <laughs> And then a bonus question is, can you name the bridges that cross the Mississippi River between Baton Rouge and New Orleans? Yes. <laughs> we got the old bridge at or in Baton Rouge. You got the old bridge. Right. You got the I-10 bridge. Right. Um, then you got the Sunshine Bridge. Right. Then you have the bridge. It's Gramercy, uh, Gramercy Wallace. I can't remember the formal name of that. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's okay. Um, and then you have the 310 bridge. And then you have the Huey Long. And then you have the Crescent City Connection. It was yeah, did, did you say the uh, the Sunshine Bridge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we pretty much got them. Yeah. Okay. Very good. That's it okay. for me. What, um... What would you like to see? I know the piece you did in the advocate. You kind of talking a little bit about your vision for the river, but like if they made you like the, um, the <laughs> queen, <laughs> yeah, 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 the absolute queen of uh, of River Road. What would you like to see happen? Okay, one thing I'd like to see happen is more people go up on the levee and appreciate the fact that the River Road is two worlds, and one is between the levees, and one is on the outside of the levees. Uh, the other thing is I'd love for the industry along the river to appreciate the history and culture of where they are and not just appreciate the fact that they've got this terrific river right there and uh, railroads and things uh, to, to kind of get involved with the culture a little bit. Uh, there are a few that have, but many have not. Uh, I would love it if the younger people would get interested in their history and culture because in the 20 plus years I've been going out there, uh, I've gotten stories and information from lots and lots of old timers and some of them are already not with us and many others are in their 90s and will not be here for long. And there's so much that can be saved and enjoyed and appreciated. Um, so I would like to wish that the younger folks got really interested. Um, and then, you know, and I want everybody to go out there and see everything, uh, just appreciate it for what a complex, interesting, uh, fun place it is. And, um, you know, I don't lead tours, but I'd like for the people who do lead tours to make them uh, more than just the plantation houses. 
And that's for a starter. If I get all that accomplished, then you can come back and ask me what else <laughs> I want to do. And everybody should remember there's two sides to the river. So if you're um, absolutely, um, if you're in New Orleans and you're going to Baton Rouge, you're going to naturally start off on the uh, on the uh, on the on the east side. But the, right. but there's west side to go to too. And, and right. Yeah. And, and so that's the, really, I mean, that's why uh, along the river road was organized the way it was because there would be more people coming out of. New Orleans. And so it's upriver along the East Bank, the kind of guide to what's there. And then you cross over in Baton Rouge and go down the West Bank. And in the meantime, hopefully you will have spent several nights in some of these lovely places to stay and enjoyed yourself enormously. Okay. So in closing, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. Somebody is listening. If you only have time to go to, to one thing, what would you recommend? Well, I guess it depends on where they're coming from. They're coming out of New Orleans, they would have to probably go to something that's close to New Orleans. Um, golly. If they're coming from somewhere in Louisiana, not New Orleans. Somewhere in Louisiana, not New Orleans. Oh, Errol, don't do that to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's like when you have kids and somebody says, what's your favorite child? I uh, can't okay. tell you. Well, the first thing you should do is get your book uh, along the river road and kind of understand what's there. Um, and there are a lot of things that, you know, aren't prosperous right now. I mean, and as we mentioned, the uh, plantations are having a hard time. And and, um, and by the way, it's one more thing I want to mention. There are a lot of signs here along the river of plantations that were, but then aren't there anymore. Right. Uh, there from your own experience, like one plantation in particular that was really like the the grand plantation that doesn't exist anymore? Apparently the grandest was Belgrove, which was on the West bank in Iberville parish. And I've seen pictures of it and um, it was pretty spectacular. Uh, but it was, uh, I think it was raised in 19, the 1950s. Uh, there is a sign where it was but uh, one of the things I say, um, I, I give a lot of talks about the River Road. And one of the things I talk about is how many clues are out there. But if you don't know how to read the clues, you don't know what it means. In the case of Belgrove, there's a, a modern subdivision. And there are two roads that come into the River Road. One is called Stone, Stone Street and the other is Ware Street. And you just run right by it. But a man named Stone Ware was the last owner of Belgrove. And of course, it's right there on the Belgrove plantation property. And so I wrote about that in along the river road because the sign doesn't say anything about that. Okay, and so you just need to know what to look for. And of course, look for your book and that'll be a big help too. Marianne, thank you very much. I've learned a lot from this. Is, um, let's do this again and talk about Bayou, Bayou Manshack one I would day. love to do it. Errol, thanks so much. And Kelly, thank you for your help as well. Thanks for listening to Louisiana Insider. Subscribe, like, and rate our show where you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Louisiana Life Mag. Executive producer for Louisiana Insider is Kelly Massico in cooperation with Louisiana Life Magazine. For subscription information to Louisiana Life, call 504-828-1380. Our theme music was provided by Rich Collins. Hey, that's me. Join us again next week for more discoveries inside Louisiana.